Maybe the Danish food market isn't the biggest in the world. We are five, six million people, but we are producing much more food than what is consumed in Denmark, and we are exporting most of it. So we are used to engaging on the global markets. When I travel around the world, being that in the airport of Nigeria or in London or other places, uh, the chance that I meet somebody from the food sector is very big. So we are out there. You're listening to the very first podcast from Food Nation Denmark. I'm Kath Mersch, and that was Peter Tubor, CEO of Arla Foods, talking about how size has never stopped the Danish food cluster making an international impact. But what's the story behind one of the world's strongest centers for food innovation, and how can Danish solutions help secure a safe and sustainable food supply for 2050? when there will be close to 10 billion of us on the planet. We've asked some of the people who can tell the inside story. Before we get started, though, as this is the first Food Nation podcast, here's a short introduction. Food Nation is a public-private partnership founded by the government of Denmark and some of the leading companies and organizations in the Danish food sector in 2017. The partnership has two main aims – to strengthen exports, and to showcase opportunities for international players to cooperate with Danish food companies, organizations, and universities. This is Lisa Velbom, Food Nation CEO, talking about the main focus areas so far. We have identified five strongholds to begin with. So we are talking and unfolding the story from the perspective of quality and safety, from sustainability, uh, gastronomy, organic production, and the Danish model of collaboration. For the coming years, we will be looking into other strongholds. It's the fifth stronghold that Lisa mentions, collaboration, that ties all the others together. That might have something to do with being a small country that we are actually used to working together from farm to fork, so to speak. And uh, that makes us very strong in every step of the value chain. We have this way of collaborating, which goes way back to the cooperative movement. And, and that's really what forms this strong and coherent value chain, which uh, is very special. The Danish cooperative movement began in the 1880s when farmers got together and founded the first cooperative dairies. The idea was to become more competitive abroad. Some of Denmark's biggest international food companies have grown out of this movement. One of them is Arla Foods, which today ranks among the biggest dairy companies in the world. According to CEO Peter Tubor, the cooperative way of thinking still has a lot to offer. I believe that the cooperative movement has turned into a governance model that is how we think and run our company as a value chain. In our case, it's from cow to consumer. And I think that the trends that we are seeing playing out these years and also for the next I would at least dare to say generation, 5, 10, 15 years ahead of us. We can see that consumers around the world in general are clearly demanding more transparency, more insight to uh, what food do I eat, where does it come from, who's taking care of it. So innovation suddenly becomes not only a matter of making super smart products per se, but understanding that 
that product also has a history. In our case, it starts with a farmer, a dairy farmer who mills his cow and has a certain way of, together with his fellow farmers, to understand quality and safety and how can we turn that into an offering to the consumers. And we can just see that the consumers are increasingly asking that. So I think that the cooperative government's model has probably never been as fashionable as it is now. Another large Danish company that is probably known all over the world is Carlsberg. Founded in 1847, it's even older than the cooperative movement. When I ask Anas Bering, vice president for global corporate affairs, what he sees as the key characteristics of the Danish food cluster, he talks about the three C's. Collaboration, curiosity and craftsmanship. I think these are three central elements to everything that has made the food cluster into what it is today and is also what it's building its future on. Anna Sparing agrees that collaboration runs through the value chain and across the private and public sectors. In the industry I represent, it has been a tradition that the farmers grow great barley that we then brew great beers on. When we're done with the spent grain, we give it back to the farmers again and they feed their pigs. So... This has been standard tradition in the brewing industry and with the farmers for years and years. Today, we probably call it circular economy, but for us, it's just been collaboration all along. I think we have a much less hierarchical approach to things within the companies and between authorities. So, you know, that circular example of us reusing the spent grain to feed the pigs is something that is just natural. And the public system should facilitate that. So you have a dialogue with the authorities. Is this okay? Sure, it's okay. If it's not okay, we have a conversation about it. So I think the whole view of the public sector as something that should facilitate growth in the private sector is one of the foundations for this. That was collaboration. So what about the other two C's Anna's named? Curiosity and craftsmanship. I mean, a lot of the innovation starts with curiosity. Whether that curiosity means could we do things a little bit better? Could we be a little bit more efficient? So it's the trading gene that is in the Danes. But it is also this pursuing something that is a little bit better tomorrow. And then the last bit is this craftsmanship. I don't think any industry, and certainly not the Danish food cluster, would be where it is today if quality wasn't at the forefront. That is what we're known for globally out there in the world. And that is where the focus lies for the Danish food cluster. Maybe you already know this, but it came as a surprise to me to learn from Anas that the well-known pH scale for measuring acidity and alkalinity is a Danish invention. Søren Sørensen, a chemist employed at the Carlsberg Laboratory, came up with it in 1909. He was constantly trying to see whether could we not increase the quality just a little bit. Out of this pops the pH scale. And I think you would find few inventions that, that mean more to the food industry today. In the food industry, quality and safety are often two sides of the same coin. And as we've already heard, there's a lot to be gained from pooling resources. That's true whether you need to develop something new and innovative or overcome an acute challenge. At Food Nation, Lisa Valbom can give many examples of how Danish companies, universities and public authorities draw on each other's strengths and in doing so set the direction, both in Denmark and abroad. One story begins with the alarming rise in salmonella infections from chicken and eggs towards the end of the 1980s. This marked the beginning of a national action plan for salmonella control. Today, Danish chicken meat and eggs, 
have achieved special salmonella-free status in the EU. What we did was that we sat down with the responsible actors in the value chain from the academic uh, side, from the political side, the, the public authorities, and of course the private sector. And this way of looking into the challenge together gives us a unique position to find the very best solutions. If the universities, for example, find a new angle in health, like saying that we need more whole grain in our diet, then the private sector and organizations uh, can work together in order to develop new products. So what it is all about is that we have a high level of trust in Denmark. So even though we can disagree on a lot of things uh, within the food area, this disagreement will also create motivation to create new ideas. And I think that's a special Danish thing, that we have this respect for the different perspectives, no matter if you come from the universities from the consumer perspective, from the private companies or the organizations. For a growing number of Danish consumers, a key hallmark of good food quality is an organic label. This is why the percentage of food sales that are organic is higher in Denmark than anywhere else in the world. Our experience goes a long way back. We were the first country to develop national rules of organic production. And it has put us in a very strong position Organic products in the retail is 13.3, and that's the world's largest retail percent. Of course, the retail is not uh, the only place where organic production plays a a big role. We have also created a very um, effective label, which comes into function within uh, hospitals, daycare, and restaurants. So when you come to Denmark, you you can find out what's the level of organic produce of the meal that you're eating. And that's really a good motivating factor for both the people running the restaurant, or but also the people producing these organic products. The organic movement took off in the 1980s, soon after Denmark got a college for organic farming, another world first. Since then, organic produce has become an important export, now reaching markets such as China, where many parents choose organic baby food as the safe, high-quality option for their children. Here's Peter Tubor talking about how food safety and quality are the foundations of another Danish food cluster stronghold, sustainability. The strongest development over many generations that we have seen in the food sector, the ability to understand all quality components, and by that also food safety, has become a stronghold of the Danish food cluster per se. The next horizon is to say, okay, how can we build the sustainability dimension on top of that? Not exchanging it, but on top of that or next to it. The whole sustainability area is an area that serves to us. There are other countries that are also progressive in this area, especially in Northern Europe. Holland is an area, Ireland is another area, but Denmark is certainly up there in the top. 
And when I look at what was going on in, in Olive Foods as a company, I mean, there's not one day where we're not talking about, you know, initiating new uh, initiatives. We're also at the moment engaging with our farmers in discussions on how can we help them and, and unite them in, in taking the whole sustainability area to the next level. And just being able to have that conversation makes it much easier. And, and I think that's the working mentality or culture and always seeking collaboration that will unfold again in the important area of sustainability. When you look at the sustainability figures, Denmark has already made impressive progress, increasing food production by 31% over the last two decades and reducing carbon emissions by 16% at the same time. And as we become more and more people on the planet... Danish technology is also helping to reduce food waste. You know, we're looking into the UN Sustainable Development Goals, where we have this aim of reducing food loss and waste with uh, 50% before 2030. And we have a really strong position within this area because we have the value chain perspective. So we have the upfront technology to build up effective cold chains. We have effective production in the industry where we reduce loss. And also in the last part of the value chain where we motivate retailers and consumers in different ways to reduce the loss of food. You might think that the stronghold we haven't talked about yet, gastronomy, has none of these sustainable virtues. After all, Michelin-starred restaurants sound way too indulgent to have a social conscience. And ever since the new Nordic kitchen emerged in the early 2000s, Danish restaurants have attracted more and more Michelin stars. A closer look reveals that nothing could be further from the truth. At Carlsberg, Anna Sparing says the new Nordic kitchen's rapid rise to international stardom was actually a wake-up call. Yeah, I think there's two elements uh, to that. There's there's one element and one half of me that would say this is what we've always been doing. So the new Nordic is not new, it's Nordic. Because some of the basic elements behind the new Nordic movement were there. We had probably just forgotten them a little bit. The other element I would say is this actually puts a formula to some of the things that we didn't know we were doing. Uh, for instance, living with the seasons, using your local uh, produce and making an advantage out of that. This mix of local produce with uh, sustainability elements, which I think is a probably the, uh, the under-discovered element of the new Nordic because there's a big sustainability benefit in following the season and using your local produce. I think a lot of uh, categories are harvesting the benefits from now and, and will do so in the future. That brings us to the end of our introductory tour of the Danish food cluster and its strongholds. Thanks go to Anna Sparing, Peter Tubor and Lisa Velbom for sharing their insights. And thanks to you for listening. If you're interested, you can find more information and case stories on our website, foodnationdenmark.dk. Needless to say, we've got many more stories to tell. So look out for the next Food Nation podcast, which starts with this podcast leaves off with a story about gastronomy. Coming up soon on foodnationdenmark.dk or on your favourite podcast app.